fixtures were finally announced, but only 16 teams playing game week one. Hello FPL Surgery listeners, on this episode we'll go over the Game Week 1 blank where Man United, Man City, Aston Villa and Burnley don't have a fixture. The strategy surrounding that blank Game Week when putting together your Game Week 1 team. We will go through the key FPL assets available to us and we'll be covering as many community questions as possible. For example, what's happened to the piss break? Is Harry Kane essential? Welcome back listeners to episode 183 of the FPL Surgery podcast. We're recording on Monday the 24th of August 2020. So my name's Rich and here I am in the host chair for the very first time. Now I'm not alone, I'm lucky enough to have my new co-host Josh Paxman by my side for every episode and we still have access to some of the very best guests within this community and of course the continued support from both Iceman and Stefan who have held our hands during this transition. Josh, what have we got ourselves in for? Yeah, I'm not sh- quite sure we realised uh, how much work went into it, but um, right. excited and um, yeah, looking forward to um, to getting the first one underway. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. We knew quite a few weeks ago we were going to be doing this, but it feels like it's gone very, very quickly. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. No uh, no cobwebs to be dusted off. Just, uh, yeah, straight back into a new season. Yeah, to use your favourite phrase, no overthinking it. Exactly. Like I said, you know, we've got the very best guests, as always, and this week's guest is FPL Hortz. He's obviously is a legend on the podcast and he's got four top 20k finishes in FPL with his highest being 4091st so welcome to the podcast Hortz. Thanks guys and um, I have to say I'm honoured being the the first official guest of the new era so uh, just wish you guys the best of luck with a a very long run. Thank you very much I mean do you know how many episodes you've been on I mean you've been on for years haven't you? Uh, yeah a few I, I don't know I you know I probably do three or four seasons something like that so probably not that many but but it yeah it, it feels like a few and uh, no thoroughly enjoyed my time uh, whenever I've been invited on so looking forward to this new lot this new time now so brilliant yeah and as a percentage you've probably been on it's probably quite a high percentage of podcasts because yeah like we said we're on episode 183 yeah 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 I, yeah, I suppose I, I might be I might be nudging sort of 15 16 maybe something like that possibly <laughs> veteran of the pod yeah very much so so in in a way i'm I'm honored to be on with you oh bless your heart (laughs) i feel the same so um, if you say that in in a couple of hours time but we'll (laughs) yeah i can i can always edit stuff out so (laughs) (laughs) we've got a couple of new patreons who've signed up so we've got espen frostad and jeff pedder who's joined up at the slack level we've got michael maynard now he's upgraded his patreon to the slack level and if you'd like to join the fpl surgery patreon you could just google it you could google fpl surgery patreon or you could go to the patreon.com forward slash fpl surgery link now this season we've added a couple of extra bits so we've got a goal scorer challenge league there's now a hundred pound prize to the winner of the fpl mini league and there's also a new level surgery gift level where once a season you get a gift now every episode obviously andy portlock vince poyle and ron ross are pledging at the highest here so they get an extra special shout out each week a couple of days ago uh, me josh and iceman we met up in, in london in leicester square and we recorded a very brief special edition of the Iceman's Quiz. So let's get back to the topics anyway, because we've got a lot to cover today, guys. So our first topic, it's blank game week one and the strategies surrounding that. We got a question from Jay Roz on the Slack. Now he's asked United, City and to a lesser extent Burnley assets and what to do. Stash them on the bench for game week one or wait until game week two to move them in. So if we go to you first of all, Josh. My plan or strategy, I should say, I'm quite set on. So that's going to be wildcard in game week two, um, which I know is not for everyone, but it just feels simple and um, the way 
it works well with the way that I like to play the game. Um, in answer to, to Jay Ross's question, I think really there's, there's pros and cons, obviously, of each. Um, I think if you're going to bench players for game week one, I feel like it should be the more budget or um, sort of mid-priced players from those teams. Your, you know, Greenwoods, Foden's, Charlie Taylor um, than premium players. I don't think you can go personally into game week one with the likes of KDB or Fernandez on the bench. I think it would be taking too much out of uh, the funds that you've got for that game week. It is game week one after all. Everyone wants to get off to a good start. Perfect. And what about you, Holtz? What are you thinking? I know Josh has said he's going to wildcard game week two. That's extremely brave tactic. I must admit, <laughs> uh, I, I'll be I'll be perfectly honest with you. As, when, as soon as I saw the fixtures um, and the way it works out, obviously, with those four teams being off in game week one and certain teams, obviously, like my own West Ham, decent fixture in game week one goes to pot in game week two. So there was a thought about, oh, yeah, that's that's a that's a game week two wild card staring you in the face. But I've looked at it deeper now and also looking at where I can potentially best optimise my wild card potentially later on. We'll we'll go into that later on in, in the pod, I'm sure. But <laughs> I, I figure there's better opportunities further down the line for holding the wild card at the moment. And I think looking at the way the fixtures work out, Obviously, Man United have got pretty good fixtures from week two onwards. So, yes, you're going to want one or two Man United um, assets, I would have said, for game week two. Burnley, potentially, you're looking at game week three. But looking at City, to be honest, I mean, I'd be quite happy running without Man City assets if I had to through to game week four, potentially. I know they've got potential to explode, but their early fixtures, I don't desperate so i would certainly be going down the route of bringing them in um using your free transfers obviously you've got to plan it but using your free transfers in two three game week two three and four potentially stashing um like josh said someone like a greenwood someone who's affordable that you can put on your bench maybe for example if you were looking to rotate say a greenwood and a suchek you could play suchek in game against Newcastle he goes straight to your bench for game week two in comes Greenwood you're sorted so that's if you can make that work into your team structure that's certainly something that I would uh, I'd be looking at so would you be looking at so we got a question from Stefan so he's saying that you know should we start with a bunch of premium mids to make the switch to those United and City assets you know as smooth as possible and he's actually put forward Mane as a suggestion. So, I mean, would you be looking at players like that, perhaps? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I mean, uh, for example, I mean, Aubameyang is is a is a great case in point. He's got two fantastic fixtures. He starts with Fulham away and West Ham at home. You couldn't have two more tasty fixtures for a forward slash midfielder as he is now. Um, so you're likely to start with Aubameyang. Then he runs into a bit of a roadblock. They've got Liverpool, Sheffield United, Man City the next three games. So He's a bit of a flat track bully is our Aubameyang. So therefore, I wouldn't have any qualms in getting rid of him for game week three. Then, you know, the switch is ideal. He's at 12 million. You've got ADB, you've got Sterling at 11 and a half. You've got Bruno at 10 and a half. All of those guys can be brought in. So even having waited a couple of weeks and allowing for the potential of price changes, maybe KDB Sterling may have gone up by 0.1, 0.2, something like that 
still got that half a million to play with that you can bring whatever your choice is out of that little bunch in in game week three or game week four so those sort of moves are there similarly up front there are, there are other moves you can make you know going from a, a Vardy or a Kane or a, for example to a Martial something like that those sort of options are there with the pricing the way it is this year so yeah there's that's to me is the the way to go but let's say fair play to Josh going with the wild card it's a brave move but could pay off big time yeah what are your reasons behind that Josh um a few really um obviously like I said first of all sort of keeping it simple I think really uh, maximizing game week one you know, a lot of people talking about, as we mentioned, benching City or United assets or leaving money in the bank, whereas I can get to fully maximise, you know, my game week one team. Um, it's about getting those City and United assets in on the wildcard game week two at their base prices rather than seeing them go up in price. Because let's be honest, unless you're going to take hits, you're only going to be able to get one in. So you've got to pick one from them. But the likely chances are we know how volatile United assets can be in terms of how much they quickly rise uh, in price. And I'm sure lots of people, even though they're away to Wolves, are going to get excited by the likes of KDB, Sterling, Phil Foden. I like the idea also of having though players from those two teams when they're lowly owned so uh, you know game week two United at home to Palace you'd like to think that the likes of Bruno Martial should be under 10% ownership or at least fairly low for their you know considering how, how great options they are and then the other thing really is that I will then have the flexibility to use my transfers on whatever I want. So, you know, the wild cards game week two, then game week three, everyone's still clambering around to bring in United and City assets. And I've moved on. So if I get an injury or suspension, it's not an issue for me. It may be for the people because they penciled in that week to bring in a United and City asset. Um, And equally, I can look at other players that have emerged who are looking in good form or particularly good value. Um, so I'm uh, getting ahead of the crowd, essentially, both in terms of the prices and the price rises, but also in terms of my transfers that I'm using game week three, four, five, etc. Are you confident that, so for example, you wildcard game week two, are you confident that the, you know, the I don't want to say template, but, you know, the, the common players people pick will not change between two and three? Because I guess otherwise you, you've only got that, you know, one week of information, which was a blank game week, and then you're instantly wildcarding. I mean, does that concern you at all? Um, I mean, I'd like to... The ideal week to wildcard, really, at the start, is three, because the fixture swings better in game week three. As Hawks just mentioned, Aubameyang's got two great games, then you can yeah. move him. You know, it's, it's, it's um, you know, the same with some other players, but I feel like... It's got to be done in two to get full, you know, to maximise those price changes. There could be a 0.5 difference between going in two as opposed to going in three. If you combine the the price changes of Martial, Greenwood and KDB, for example. So I'm not even adverse to essentially picking a wild card as if I'd played in game, as if I'd play it in game week three but just bringing it forward a week just to maximise 
um, yeah, the getting everyone at their base price really from from the from the guys that miss out game week one. Yeah, perfect, perfect. I mean, I've been trying to sound neutral, but my idea is actually it's it's more similar to Josh's. But what I'm thinking of doing, well, it'll be wild card in game week two. Um, but I'm thinking of bench boosting in game week one. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I only say thinking because it does make me a bit nervous. And the more I think about it, the more I think is that you know the right thing to do. But it's just because, I mean, last year I wanted to get rid of, the, I remember speaking to Stefan on the on the Slack and I had a quite a strong bench. So I just ended up bench boosting in a single game week and getting rid of that chip, it was quite liberating. Um, as in, I didn't have to think about any other, you know, sometimes when you've got your bench boost, you've got to think about transfers for all 15 players. Do you have two playing goalkeepers? I didn't have to worry about that for the rest of the season. And especially with this congestion, you know, we've got doubles and blanks um, possibly in game weeks 18 and 19, don't we? Um, and we have to wildcard by game week 16. Yeah. So part of me thinks if I get that bench boost out of the way, you know, I don't have to worry about that again. But at the same time, how do I know I'm going to get 15 players playing on the first week of the season? I don't know. You what could you also guys... be number one in the world for a week. <laughs> there is that as well. There is that yeah. as well. <laughs> Take it off the bucket it's, list. It's a it's it's a brave move. I mean, fair play. I mean, it, you know, if that comes off, you're you're laughing all the way to the bank. And of course, you've only got sixteen teams to choose from, so you you you're not complicated with the other four. Um, you can really just go all in on those fixtures. You know, the you know the the teams that have got absolutely stonking fixtures, as you would say, like Arsenal, Liverpool, Southampton, potentially Leicester. You you can load up on those teams and not worry about you know, over, over committing to them because, you know, you're going to blow them all out or potentially blow them out in, in week two. So obviously you're not going to get double game weeks out of them, which would, which would be my only fear about yeah. using a bench boost. You're not, you're only going to get that one game. Whereas people thing, maybe hang on to it. And I think, I mean, we, we had a casual chat before we started the pod, but we was, we were sort of saying between us that this season, potentially, we're going to see more blanks and more doubles than we've ever seen before. And so later on in the season, those that have effectively kept their powder dry, if, you know, if the fixtures fall into place and we don't know, it, it's all dependent on cup results and who does well in the cup competitions in terms of who has blank game weeks and, and doubles. But if they fall into place, you could be left with some really, really tasty double game weeks and you could end up kicking yourself for having already blown your bench boost in game week one. If it comes off, though, you're laughing. That's the I thing. I think the is chances it? are is, is, is with, with, a, with a single game week, the the floor is low do you get what i mean um and with a double game week the floor is significantly higher worst case you'd like to think you know you've got each player is getting in you know four points so you'd like to think that your bench boost should get you a minimum of 16 it doesn't always work quite as simple as that obviously your defenders can see goals and goalkeepers can see goals whatever but you like to think that you know you look at it and go okay sort of 15 16 plus it wouldn't be the worst scenario. You come away from that with six or eight points, you're going to feel like, okay, that was a massive opportunity wasted. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I feel I like don't an think idiot. it's the worst strategy. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I not. I mean, it's, I don't think it's the worst strategy. It happened. But I think your enthusiasm for doing another 37 podcast with me might go down <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> But that's yeah, that's a that's a big concern. It's 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 more I know in the game week, so you've got a double and you bench boost, it's ideal. It's just more the lead up to it. 
you know when you're trying yeah. to get trying to get a good 11 or 15 players together that's i mean the, that's the fun part of the strategy well, yeah that's it that's the that's yeah. the all well, that that's, team that's that's with your, yeah, yeah. yeah. It can I mean, be fair fun. play to <laughs> fair play to even think about using it. I think probably over the next couple of weeks you'll talk yourself out of it. But it's you know it's one of those things. It's you're thinking outside the box, which is a great thing to do at this time of season. You know you might suddenly latch on. You know if you don't do the bench boost, you may whilst thinking about that have latched on to something else that no one else has necessarily thought of, which could end up being total genius. I mean I'm sure all of our plans are going to change in the next couple of weeks. That's for certain. Hundred percent. Yeah. And and actually on that point, it, just coming back to what Josh was saying about trying to jump on the likes of you know the the highly or the potentially high highly owned City and United assets before they go up in um, team or before they go up in value and everything like that. The current ownership is very interesting. I mean, I know we've got two weeks still to go um, before game week one, and these are likely to change when people realise that De Bruyne and Fernandes aren't playing in game week one. But of course, there are a lot of casual players of this game. Not, not everyone is tuned into FPL Twitter or podcasts or what have you. Currently, fascinatingly enough, De Bruyne is at 41.8% ownership and Fernandes is at 292 So they're not likely to fly up in price in game week, game week two and game week three as fast as if they had a current ownership of around about 10%. It's going to take a lot more for them to go up in price. So those two assets look, I'd be quite happy to sort of hold and jump on them a little bit later. The likes of your Sterlings and people like that are going to go up quicker because they're not as owned as much. I can't even see what's Sterling at the moment, for example, just 5.3. So if he's if he sort of bangs in game week two or what have you, he'll fly up in terms of price a lot quicker than KB, KDB is going to. I think it'll all I think it'll all change. Um, I'm hoping so anyway. Other my otherwise my strategy's flawed. But, um, <laughs> well, if, if, it should do. It if, should do. Four, if KDB's got 40% ownership game week one, then I'll be shocked. I mean, and there's only yeah. five players. Well, there's only 1.5 million players in the game at the moment that have registered for this season. Um, last season, I think it hit seven and a half. Um, obviously, by the end of the season, or eight million. It was it was very close to eight million. I mean. I think the FPL have been a little bit stronger with the whole, you know, don't have duplicate teams and this whole cash leagues thing that's come out as well. But I think we're going to hit minimum. You'd like to think four or five million. Um, you'd have thought before the season started. So hopefully that'll um, push it, push it down. Not to mention people just doing their teams properly, um, you know, closer to the, to the game with one deadline. Yeah. What would be interesting is if, like you say, KDB's got over 40% ownership. I was about to say, um, well, you know, we should we should be clear of teams like that. You know, someone's selecting KDB and he's not even playing. But, I mean, imagine he doesn't, obviously he's not going to do anything game week one. And, but just imagine game weeks two and three, he just does what he does and, you know, gets 15, 20 points both weeks. It's going to be a bit of a, a tough pill to swallow, really, isn't it? <laughs> Can't wait. I'm happy to wait until at least Counting game three because because Wolves in week Wolves in week two can't be easy. And I, am I right in saying they beat City both times last year, didn't they? Wolves. Yeah, and I think yeah. very very much in Pep's mind. He's finished second. He's not won the league. He's not won the Champions League. He's lost to Wolves twice. You know. I think he's going to be absolutely going for that as their first game, you know. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, sometimes with City, 
you know, to have a bit of a tougher run to start off with, um, you know, they, they, they've got after Wolves, they've got Leicester at home, Leeds away, um, Arsenal at home. So, you know, Wolves, Leicester and Arsenal in the first four, I think that can sometimes work better for mm-hmm. us, we think. It means that the rotation is less of an issue. There's obviously not going to be, I don't think Champions League must not start until sort of October um, at the earliest. Um, and it's, yeah, so easier easier to predict rotation. But also, I think, you know, they're gunning for those games a little bit more. And, you know, they don't make the slip-ups that they have done when they lost to Southampton away, when they lost to Norwich away. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. And I think KDB really turns up in those games normally, a lot of the time also, because he has two holding midfielders behind him. So he's, he's got a bit more of a license to roam. So to, to, to round this, this topic up, um, I just want to go to one more question and then we'll move on to the goalkeepers. So mm-hmm. I've got a question from Surav who's saying, have stuck a draft with Greenwood on the bench, hoping this gets discussed on the pod. So I think would either of you, and we probably have already covered this slightly, um, but would either of you put a player like, Foden or Greenwood on the bench for game week one maybe you Hortz because you're obviously considering holding the wild card yeah 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 no yeah. I um my so I think I mentioned what my plan is if I can work it out you know financially is yeah. um Suchek being my fifth midfielder for you know a, a while um he would start in week one Greenwood would come in and replace him in game week two and then Suchek would go to the bench so that makes sense if I can make it work financially. Of course, you know, that's just throwing Greenwood out there as a name. That could be Rashford. That could be Bruno. But it, you're likely to go on the economy of scale. And, of course, that's dependent on them not signing Sancho and, and, and things like that, which we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. But, yeah, it's a viable plan. Uh, not not so much Foden at the moment. I think we need to see. Um, obviously, Pep rotates a lot more than 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 Ollie does. So. I think we need to see whether Foden is going to slot straight into that David Silva role um, and get more playing time or whether what we saw of Foden um, post lockdown in those last seven game weeks of the season, whether that was a full storm and maybe he goes back to bench warming a little bit. I mean, don't forget, of course, we're back to three subs instead of five this season and that is going to have an effect on the likes of Man City where they were doing multiple substitutions at 60 minutes and the likes of Foden was coming on Mares was coming on and they were swapping over they're not going to have that facility this season so I think Foden is more of a, a, a sort of a watch and wait but Greenwood say as long as they don't bring in someone like Sancho I think he's he's good value uh, yeah that's a really good point on the subs actually because you could pretty much rely on like you say the Man City players would play at the end of last season whether it's half an hour or 60 minutes and obviously Foden was playing at, as part of the front three as well and he got a couple of goals off the bench and I mean the Suchek rotation I do actually quite like it because Suchek has a good fixture and then You've got awful fixtures, West Ham, haven't you? It's, I mean, I've never seen a yeah, run as dreadful. bad as you between two and seven. <laughs> if we're, so, I'll tell you yeah. what, if we're, if we're not bottom after game week six or seven, I'll, it'll be a miracle. <laughs> and you, and you won't mind benching him. You can't, you won't even have to think about it. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at three forwards, four mids. So, um, he would be very much the fifth mid. If you say that's, that's all up in the air. If I can make it work out financially, because I think he'd be great as a guy. What you want as your fifth mid for example is someone who's locked in as a starter Suchek is is going to be starting so if he has to come on through an injury or something like that you're at least guaranteed your two points and as we saw at the tail end of last 
last year when they started playing sort of that that system he's an absolute focal point when it comes to corners and that sort of stuff he's the target guy um and he popped up with what three goals in in those seven games or what have you so he's viable as a fifth midfielder definitely perfect perfect well i'm sure i'm sure we'll come back to him as well because we'll go through all the different positions now so first up we've got the obviously the goalkeepers now emma's asked a question in slack about goalkeeping strategy so the pros and cons of rotating or not and the best goalkeeper picks as well so if we get back to you josh what are you doing with your keepers first of all well for week one uh game week one i'm currently on mccarthy away to away to palace who aren't particularly goal scoring heavy at home um so quite like him i like to keep it normally at 4.5 um and i think it's really him or ryan i think obviously ryan at home to chelsea is just not 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 what i'd want to do for for one week ahead of a game week two wildcard so yeah mccarthy would be my be my choice for the first week and then on from then really i mean i'd be be very tempted by pope really game week two again no one's going to have him because he's not had a game no one's going to leave him on 5.5 million on the bench so i'll probably just go for pope purely because of the low ownership um and um, even at that price yeah, because the reason why I do it is because um, they're number two, Peacock, um, Peacock Farrell's 4.0, you know, 4 million. So, you know, you're looking at that really, and it's it's a 9.5 keeper combination, which is, is not so bad. If Peacock Farrell's 4.5, it would probably be enough to not go for that combination. But I, I, I think that that enables it to be as a package deal you know, quite a good option. And I, I, I quite like the idea of having two keepers from the same club like that, like Ryan and Button, um, because it, it, it means you, you cover yourself if your main one's injured. But it also means that you don't have the issue of of rotating. And some managers love the idea of rotating the keepers. It's personally not for me. I've tried it in the past. I never get it right. I'd rather just have one. Yeah, the only thing I'd say about that, and I could be completely wrong, but I know Burnley signed a goalkeeper, Will Norris. They they signed him off Wolves. Yeah. Now, Wolves. I have no idea if he's going to be the backup. So I'm guessing you're going to be looking at the pre-season game. He's not on the game yet. He's not on the no, game under no, Wolves. He's and he's not on the game under Burnley, which makes me think that a third choice um and I mean, based on he, some of their pricing i wouldn't trust the game to to know if he's the no, back no or not, fair, but, yeah. fair point but i i the, the peacock farrell's 4.0 i'd be pretty surprised if norris didn't come in at the same price he also was in the game last season as a 4.0 um goalkeeper so fingers crossed That's um true. and then it'd just be you know going for one of those two um and i think it'd probably be peacock farrell who is is the number two i mean i like his name Really cool name. So what are you thinking with goalies thoughts? <laughs> well, funnily enough, I'm on McCarthy as well at the moment. I think Southampton have got defensively one of the best early runs. I I was tempted with someone like Larice, but I, I think you can get better economy of scale in the Spurs defence than you can you know, spending five and a half at the back. So at the moment, I'm on McCarthy backed up by Nyland. Um, another interest, that's if I was going for literally set and forget which would be McCarthy, obviously, where it, we, you know, where at least your backup is a starter if the worst case uh, happens. Ryan's an interesting one because McCarthy and Ryan do rotate quite well. But then, as Josh said, you are putting yourself in that horrendous goalkeeper rotation strategy, which can just go horrendously wrong. It's- <laughs> they, are, they are the hardest points to predict, I would say, in the whole game. 
yeah. you know, Fabianski, for example, who who is another goalkeeper I'd probably look at. Um, I think, you know, just obviously West Ham have got an awful start, but just because of his pedigree as an FPL player, he's, you know, he does great um, every season. Um, but, you know, he could get a double figure point score against, you know, Chelsea just as much as he could against, um, you know, Aston Villa. And, you know, the only thing that can really rocket that up sometimes is obviously a penalty save, which again is unpredictable. So, yeah, I just I just feel like it's, it's, it's quite tough to get right. And, and for that reason, you know, I just prefer to to stick with one and, 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 and just, you know, back them essentially. Yeah, I think if I had the funds, I'd be I'd be looking at Pope as well, to be honest, and just stick him in there and, and, and not worry about anything like that. But, you know, when you're setting your team up, first of all, and you haven't got that, you haven't built up that 104, 105 million, you're still working at a, the flat hundred. Um, sometimes it, you've got to justify Pope and and where you're spending that funds elsewhere. And you think, well, McCarthy's got a decent run. I'll, I'll leave him in there. But, yeah, it's right. I think the thing you have to remember as well with the rotation theory is people mostly rotate chasing clean sheets but of course um as josh said you you score points in other ways with goalkeepers and saves um are very vital and if you're playing a top of the table team and they're they're banging in the shots at you and you're making the saves you might not get the clean sheet but if you get six nine saves that's an extra two or three points on your goalkeeper so you might not get the clean sheet but you're only going to be a couple of points shy of a goalkeeper that does so you know that set and forget certainly has value it does. And I mean, like you guys say, sometimes you, it, the harder the fixture, the higher the point ceiling. I mean, we saw last year a few goalkeepers getting 10, 15 plus points. Yeah. You know, just from, and penalty saves. So if a team's under the cosh and you want to get a haul from a goalkeeper, you want them to have a bad fixture. So, for example, Ben Foster, quite late in the season against City, he saved a penalty. We saw Tim Krull save two in a game. So I, I can see that. And I think I'm the same. I don't really like rotating goalkeepers either. I'd like to just have my goalkeeper and I'll just, you know, just see what happens. If they got a bad fixture, you could get double digit. I think the only one we've probably not mentioned is Ramsdale, um, who I think is probably the the only other one that we we've we've not spoken about who probably will be quite popular at five million um, for a solid defence. It's just going to be really interesting to see when he comes in how big a difference it makes to Dean Henderson just because he was incredible last season for them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there was the the goals prevented. I haven't got the exact stats in front of me at the moment, but Henderson was, you know, he prevented a lot of goals last season and Ramsdale was quite middling. So if you're just going off that metric, I don't think he's going to be as good. You know, he's not going to be as good as Henderson, but I still think he's a great option. And I mean, they've got some pretty good fixtures to start off with Sheffield United I mean at least the, the first five um, obviously six and seven they've got Liverpool and City but you know they start with Wolves who don't score a lot Aston Villa away Leeds at home Arsenal and Fulham I mean yeah it's, it's not a bad little run at all it was a shame um, he didn't come in at four and a half if he'd come in at four and a half I'm sure he'd be picked up by a lot more teams it's the fact that he's that half a mil more than the likes of McCarthy and Ryan um, yeah. I yeah. think we'll just turn people off him early doors. That's the thing. I think it was I just mean, it's one of those the, things. The, the cheapest starting defender is uh, five. You know, 
yeah. Egan and um, Basham and stuff, they're at five. So, they, you know, they were going to go at five and they weren't going to make him 4.5. But I agree, yeah. If he'd have been that, he would have been definitely a better option than Ryan. I think Amazon. it means they've, they've priced him quite well. Because, I mean, for example, yeah. Pope, we say he's expensive at 5.5, but if Pope was 5 million, everyone would have him. So Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think even though it's annoying, it's, yeah, I think they've, they've priced the goalkeepers or most of the goalkeepers pr- pretty well. Um, the only reason I wouldn't just go with just McCarthy is if I do my bench boost plan, then obviously I've got to have two goalkeepers for the first week. So then I think I'll be on the Ryan and McCarthy, Ryan and McCarthy double up. I don't see any value in going going much higher. Uh, either of you thinking about any premium goalkeepers? Well, I mean, in, in terms of premium, if you're looking at sort of the, the six and above, I mean, to be honest, there, there's only one guy I would really consider, and that's Edison, because only because of the pep rotation. I mean, I wouldn't consider Allison because uh, Klopp tends to keep more of a regular starting lineup, so you're going to be using out outfield players. Um, if you're fed up with Pep and you just can't be doing with with the whole rotation thing, stick Edison in at the back. You're going to get clean sheets. The only problem is with Edison, you're not going to get bonus points. You're not likely to get a lot of save points, so you're going to get six points, six points, six points relatively regularly. Um, but he's the only one I'd even vaguely consider. But again, with with City, slightly less so than Liverpool because they're not locked in as much. But you're likely to want your three City assets out on the field, I'd have thought. Yeah, I saw a lot of teams at the end of last season who had Edison. And then they became frustrated when it came to the last couple of game weeks because they couldn't get a man, a third man City attacker in without doing a minus four. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the other downside. So it's yeah, like personally. all those people that had a Man United defender. And yes. we're stuck, we're yes. stuck with a Maguire and had to get rid of a Maguire to get one of those, yeah, get a third forward, wasn't it? Yeah. I was one That's of them. Yeah. Likewise. Doesn't feel right, likewise. <laughs> Doing a hit to get Greenwood when he's 4.5 million. It's, yeah, you put yourself yeah. in a horrible position. But I guess we can move on to the defenders now. Um, so so we, there's a couple of rotations I've noticed. So, for example, Saints and Fulham rotate quite well. Um, but obviously it's Fulham. Um, but also Saints and Sheffield United rotate quite well for the first eight games or so but um josh um, are there any budget defenders you're looking at like in the 4.5 range maybe even 4 million ones yeah i think um starting at the bottom at 4 million um i like i think there's obviously the two palace guys ferguson and, and mitchell but i like ben johnson most um west ham i know again awful fixtures but i feel like he's going to be the most nailed out of those three longer term, whereas I think Ferguson and Mitchell, Ferguson is a new signing for them. Um, will he displace Ward straight away? Not sure. Mitchell is obviously the, the deputy left back to PVA. He will go as soon as PVA is fit. So that, that's sort of 4 million um, price. Um, and then 4.5. I think there's some great options, um, you know, this, this, uh, this season, I think, um, Vinagra um, Wolves has been the most talked about one. It looks to me like there's going to be uh, some competition coming in there because Johnny's out, I think he's until the new year. Um, so there's going to be some competition coming. But I, I just think the way that Nuno manages his team, he's very much about the sort of tried and tested approach, being loyal to players. And I think he will start the season with Vinagra over a new signing and then that new signing will, you know, be blended in in the, you know, the Carabao Cup. Um, And so they'll need to essentially get ahead of Vinagra 
um, you know, to 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 start as as the left wing back. Um, and then the other two, Carl Walker Peters, I think it's good value. Um, you know, fairly attacking and uh, and Lamptey at Brighton, similar. Perfect, perfect. And Hortz, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, obviously the the sort of the news today that Maitland Niles might be might be heading to Wolves certainly is interesting but I think like Josh I would, I would agree early doors Vinagre is probably going to get the starts but Maitland-Niles is, is obviously going to be a slight knock on that and you're not sure necessarily how quick he's likely to come in because you can't imagine he's going to be moving from Arsenal to Wolves if he hasn't been sort of if not guaranteed at least been tipped the wink that he's got a good chance to start um, in terms of the the, the, the sort of fours to 4.5s I certainly agree with Johnson he, he certainly looked to be the best optional but you've just got a very small um, he, he's been very injury prone and obviously he played extremely well the couple of games he came in at the end of last season but that's just a very small sample size um, uh, but he's very confident on the ball and I think yeah as a 4.0 he's not going to be starting for you every week he's going to be sitting on your bench so yeah stick him in there when you get up to the 4.5s i quite like the two leads guys not straight away that sort of dallas and ailing um i'm sort of leaning towards dallas slightly ahead of ailing but but not by a vast amount they've got a couple of quite tasty fixtures in their first six but the but the rest of them are horrible they yeah they've got fulham in game week two i think it is and then uh villa coming up in game week six but apart from that they've got liverpool sheffield united man city and wolves which is is not particularly pleasant so no. it's probably a question of wait and see on those guys and and when it comes to wait and see certainly a guy in a in a what we would you know call a, a potentially a top six team in Arsenal is Saliba um obviously he's he's technically been an Arsenal player for a year although he was out on loan last year but he's priced at 4.5 um looking at sort of a lot of the the sort of the Arsenal fan sites and that sort of stuff he's very highly touted although he's although he's a youngster Arsenal have got a couple of very good fixtures to start off with but then as we said earlier on regarding Aubameyang their fixtures go downhill fairly rapidly but they perk up again round about game week eight game week nine by which time we'd have had plenty of time to have a look at Saliba and if he's doing well and he's cemented a place in in the uh, in in the back line there at Arsenal I think he's going to be a, a fantastic player to jump on top of um and basically the the Burnley the Burnley back line in general they they've stayed at 4.5 which is quite a surprise considering the amount of clean sheets that they got last year and, and obviously Pope just missing out on the golden glove the vast majority bar Tarkovsky are, are sort of hanging around that 4.5 mark so they're a good look at yes. but I think a guy just slightly above that who's who's well worth a look and I know he's been he's been touted very highly by uh, by James on the planet um, podcast who's obviously a huge Spurs fan is Eric Dyer he reckons he's the number one central uh, centre-back um, for Mourinho there and could um, could basically be racking up bonus points the way uh, Jones was at United about sort of two or three seasons ago and he could be quite handy Spurs have got some decent fixtures with great possibilities of clean sheets so I quite fancied Lloris but he's 0.5 more so Dyer could be a nice little set and forget guy um, pick up a few keen sheets pick up a few bonuses here and there he's also on the occasional free kick as well so he's one that could slip under the radar a little bit yeah no he could well be especially in in that Mourinho team no, that's, a, that's a good shout um, I mean with the budget ones I think you've covered most of the ones I had um, I had Ferguson and Mitchell written down just because they're 4.0 
And they also rotate with Justin at Leicester, um, who's 4.5 million. Now, they've got a nice little rotation for the start of the season. So depending on when you wildcard, because obviously Justin's going to be playing um, while Pereira's out and maybe even longer term than that if if Chilwell goes to Chelsea. Um, And the other one I had was Saliba as well. So moving on to the more mid-priced ones, I know you already touched on touched on Dyer, for example. I've got Cancelo. Now, I do like having three City attackers, so but he's going to be one I'm going to be really looking at because I think Mendy was always the the FPL asset we had in our minds, but obviously he's, he's had a lot of injuries. Um, I just think the last couple of games Can, Cancelo played before the end of the season, he just looked incredible. And he did sting me when I owned him last season, but he's firmly on my watch list. So, Josh, I mean, what kind of mid-priced, you know, say 5 to 5.5 players have you got? I really like Bellerin, actually. I think Bellerin's a Mm. bit of a bargain, really, 5 million. Cheapest I can remember him being in FPL for a long time. Um, We're talking someone with a lot of Premiership experience, obviously Mm. has has racked up the points in FPL um, before, with Maitland-Niles leaving by the sounds of things. I don't think he's got much competition at right back. Um, so I think he's, I think they've got Cedric, obviously, that they've signed now permanently from Southampton, but he's definitely going to be, you know, deputy to Bellerin. So I think he's good, good price. Reese James equally, uh, Chelsea, I think, will have a very, very good season. I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm a massive Reese James fan. I think he's great uh, and, and will, will definitely get a lot of, uh, you know, assists and attacking returns, especially if on the odd occasion we play wing backs. And the other one back at Arsenal is Kieran Tierney, who, who finished the season really well. Um, but I feel that for 0.5 less, I'd, I'd personally go for Bellerin. There's less competition there. Mm. And also, I think you're probably going to get as much as Tierney will offer from attacking uh, perspective yeah. in Bellerin. That's mad. I didn't realise he was only 5 million. <laughs> if you look at his assist, though, over the years, take out last season, 6, 5, 4, 5... You know, and 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 the and the season before last, he got five assists in one thousand five hundred and thirty-two minutes. So that's like barely half a season. Yeah, so, he was a bit of a FPL legend. So yeah, for five million, yeah, I can definitely and he, see why you've got him on your list. You know, he, he's coming at he's coming at six point five before he's coming at six. He's coming at five point five. So for me to come in at five, I think Bellerin, yeah, Bellerin's a a really attractive option. So you'd go Bellerin over Tierney, for example. Just on price, if they're both yeah, the same yeah. price, I go Tierney because I thought he looked really good towards the end of the season. But purely on that 0.5 saving, I don't think you're dropping down a great deal in terms of what you're getting for your money. What about you, Hortz? Would you go Bellerin or Tierney? Uh, well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, Bellerin, as you say, if he stays healthy would be my only thing yeah. with that. I mean, he's got I think the reason he is uh, 0.5 cheaper than Tierney is he's got that injury injury discount that you see, uh, for example, KDB had it last year. Uh, Laporte's got it this year, for example. That injury discount counts for a lot. And I think that's where you're hedging your bets with Bellerin. Whereas Tierney, I think, proved after lockdown, although he was troubled with with injury in the early part of the season, um, he was clear of that after lockdown. And he looked very, very impressive. I say the only problem with getting someone in like Tierney, unless like you guys who are contemplating playing your wild card, if you're thinking of doing that, he'd be in my team in game week one. If not, I'm inclined to wait until Arsenal's fixtures roll round again in sort of game week eight, game week nine uh, and get him in at that sort of time. But yeah, I think Tierney's in for quite a big season. Perfect. Perfect. And I guess we're just finally, we move on to the premium defenders. Now, I guess some of these will be quite obvious because there's 
only a few of them, really. I mean, does anyone object with getting Trent Alexander-Arnold, for example? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, I've, I've looked I've looked at ways of saving money and not having Trent in my team. And every time I've done it, I've just said, don't be an idiot. And I'll put him back in again. So um, I think his, his stats and his his points scored over the last couple of seasons just speak for themselves and yeah and i think you know most most of us sort of in the twitter community and and the podcast community would agree he's come in probably 0.5 less than we all thought he was going to be which makes him even more of a shoe-in i don't think there's not a single player in this game that is essential i I don't believe in that but if you're going to say anyone's close to it it's probably him yeah let's call it who's the most important yeah. Um, I'd say <laughs> TAA. I don't know. Want... I look at their I look at their fixtures at the start. Um, Leeds at home, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home. Those first three, it's not screaming clean sheets, is it? But Trent can do. Trent doesn't need clean sheets. He could right. he could easily get an attack and return in all three games and bonus, and you wouldn't even need to worry about you know the clean sheet side of things. The question is, is it is it a viable, you know, is it viable to double up with him and Robertson or him and Van Dyke at the start with those fixtures? Not 100% sure, really, but I do love owning them both. And I love Robertson. Um, I had Robertson at the end of the season just gone um, when not a lot of people did. Actually, he was very lowly owned and he was actually taking a lot more set pieces than Trent. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they'd won the league and they were sort of, don't know just trying things out or or uh, maybe letting Robertson rack up his assist account I don't know but it definitely worked for me so yeah I think they'll both be in my team in my team at points it's just whether I do that either game week run or uh, game week two wildcard or whether I hold off for a bit longer yeah I think for me it's the decision isn't whether I want to get Trent it is if I want to add Robertson and or or Van Dyke um, to the mix, you know, if I want to go for having more than one. And I mean, if you want to hear what it's like not owning Trent Alexander-Arnold, you could probably listen to <laughs> last season of the surgery. Um, yeah. we, we live that pain and then um, then you can make your decision. Um, so other premiums, um, there's obviously a Wolves right back whose name I'm probably not going to pronounce correctly. Would he be the next most obvious one? Doherty. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, they've and they've got a tasty little run at the start. I mean, don't don't be put off necessarily by Sheffield United and Man City in the first two. They've got a lovely run after that. Um, he's certainly in my team at the moment. And but another guy to look out for, which should be interesting. Now he's back from injury. We, we talk about uh, Pep Roulette and that sort of stuff. But I think one guy who's likely to be as locked as possible is Laporte. He's got. The injury discount, he's down to six this year, where he was six and a half last year. And I mean, you look at the stats, Man City keep a lot more clean sheets when he's playing than when he's not. And I think he's a guy to look out for, you know, maybe five or six game weeks down the line um, when their fixtures sort of start flattening out. But I think he's he's one certainly to look out for, you know, with the rotation, you've got to keep an eye on Ake because obviously they've just signed him and technically they play the same position. So that's a slight uh, little little thing on that but but yeah Laporte's definitely worth looking at down the line I'm liking this injury discount that you're talking about Hawks do we yeah. um do, do we get it with Danny Ings as well 
Well, no, because he wasn't injured last year. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think we, I think we had the discount last year and we missed out. Last on year, <laughs> yeah, last year he was cheaper because he was he was always being injured. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you think what KD, what did, KDB came in at a ridiculous price, didn't he Nine last time? Yeah, because yeah. he because he'd been injured the year before, and you you do tend to see that if it's been a long term injury. Uh, yeah. And I think again, it's one of the things like, for example, we'll we'll when we get onto midfielders, probably Sam Maximan will be will be spoken about. But again, he's a guy that's got little niggles and that sort of stuff which maybe has kept his price uh quite low as well it's players like that so you you are taking a gamble potentially on on going for guys that have had injuries but i think laporte is past his and those sort of people then it's worth jumping on like you like you said with bellerin if he's past his injury he's mm. an absolute bargain at five yeah but then w- with laporte you can get Cancella. i guess he's more risky though he's less guaranteed oh. of a start um, yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. The ring, I think the, the fullbacks there have just been a nightmare. Yeah, in I, th- I think years. see Mendy, second season Mendy's, under Pep, Mendy's obviously had his injury problems, hasn't yeah. he? Whereas I think Cancelo's it's his second year under Pep. I think if he's going to kick on, and maybe it's not one you get from. Obviously, you don't get him from game week one, but I, th- I think down the line. That that could be a dilemma. I don't think it is at the moment. I think I agree. You'll go Laporte for only I half. Th- I think a million the thing more. with Pep is Pep is going to rotate. Yeah. However, however good you are, possibly with the the exception of KDB or you know or Edison in goal, he's going to rotate, and that's what he does. And and however good the players are, you're you're going to fall foul of that. I, I, give me a locked on starter any day over a City defender. I think. Okay, so now we move on to to our budget midfielders. So Hortz, do you have any budget midfielders you're you know leaning towards? Yeah, well, one or two. I mean, there aren't too many in that bracket. Suchek, I think I've already mentioned. So I, I, you know how I feel about him. Going through fairly quickly, one guy I've got a sneaky eye on is Leandro Trossard at Brighton. Their fixtures aren't too bad. He was nicked up a little bit last year. He, I think his starts were, he, he only made sort of 20 odd starts uh, for Brighton. And of course, we know that there is rotation that takes place there as well. But he had 44% goal involvement. So when he was playing, he was absolutely vital to what Brighton were doing going forwards. And I think they're going to be a little bit better. They've, they've brought in Lallana. Um, so I think they're going to be a little bit more creative going forward this year. And I think Trossard's a sneaky one to keep an eye on at six million. Pereira, who's coming for West Brom. I mean, to be honest, I'm not considering any West Brom players until I've actually seen what they can do. I think they're going to they're going to struggle this year. But Pereira is their talisman. He's the guy that it all goes through in midfield. And again, he's coming at six could be interesting if you're looking to just fill a bench spot or something like that. Um, and being a West Ham fan, one guy I'm very interested in who was playing for West Brom, obviously, last year and had a very good run in the championship is Grady Dean Garner. Uh, by the looks of it, we're skint. Uh, we're not signing anybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't sell Dean Garner because I think he's got a great future ahead of him. And he's very nicely priced as well. Um, around about that six, mi- six million bracket. And if he gets regular starts, uh, there's no telling what he could do because he's quick. Yeah, I think Dean Garner, because like you say, he was at West Brom last year. He was actually, when he wasn't injured, I think he was a better player. And West Brom fans will probably correct me. I think he was a better player than Perez. But I guess it was just those those injury concerns. But um, Josh, what about you with the with the budget pick? I think the only one that we've not really mentioned is um, St. Maximum. I think we we spoke about him briefly earlier, being you know having a bit of a injury history. But I think five point five. He's one of the best value players in the game. Um, he's probably as close to Newcastle have got as a, a, you know as a talisman. Um, I don't know whether that will necessarily reflect in his FPL points, but I definitely think that. 
if you spoke to Newcastle fans, they'd say he's the most important player in their team. He's what makes them tick. Um, the other ones really Hawks has mentioned. Um, I love I love the idea of Pereira. I think he's going to be really exciting to watch. His stats last season in the Championship are incredible. Um, Zuchek is is definitely underpriced. Um, it's just a shame they've got such a bad start. Um, apart yeah. from obviously the first week, but yeah, that's that's the lot for me. Yeah, I like the Saman shout because he's he is fun to watch. Um, I mean, all I really add to that is two more players. So Basuma, he's a 4.5 midfielder. He would be a good bench fodder because he's he's a bit cheaper than Suchek. And then Armstrong seems to be quite underpriced. I mean, you've got Redmond at 6.5, but Armstrong on the other side is only 5.5. So, you know, he could be a little bit of um, coverage for Danny Ings, perhaps. So mid-price, I guess we've touched on a few of these earlier. We've got like players like Greenwood and Foden. But Hortz, who are you looking at in that area? Well, a guy, if he wasn't slightly nicked, and I, I, I'm probably going to nick him from Josh being a Chelsea fan, but that's Pulisic. I think the way he finished last year was just going gangbusters. And obviously... Chelsea have brought in a lot of guys up front and it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out. But if Pulisic um, can recover from this hamstring and, and hit the ground running like it the way he finished last season at eight and eight and a half, he's in. No question. Um, so Greenwood, we mentioned Bowen is very interesting at West Ham. Um, obviously, he had great stats in the championship with Hull um, and he started once he once he bedded in at West Ham. He was one of the most creative players uh, that managed to pull us out of that relegation fight. And I think he's one to look out for. And one to throw in there. We all got burnt last season. If, if you indulge last season. Sigurdsson at Everton. Everton's fixtures aren't bad at all. Um, they had a pre-season game last night. He scored twice and assisted once, and they only scored three goals. So he was heavily involved. It's probably a gamble. He's only seven mil, though. And if you, you know, in that bracket, there aren't that many players that you'd necessarily dive in on. Might be worth a look, but just see how else, see how he goes for the rest of pre-season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like the Pulisic shout. The Pulisic, I mean, Pulisic, they priced at 8.0 and then upped it slightly, didn't they? So they must they must realise the value they were giving us there. So do you have any others to add, Josh? No, I think Greenwood and Foden are the two obvious ones. Um, and, I, and I like uh, Hawks' Sigerson shout. Watch the highlights from that game. Um, it sounds great that uh, Sigerson scored two and assisted one, but... Um, Blackpool, who they were playing, actually scored three goals before uh, Everton did. So it was uh, 3-0 to, <laughs> to Blackpool to start off with and it ended up being 3 all. But I think, yeah, Sigerson, you know, it's, it's a little bit like Bellerin in, this, in the way that he's, he's come into this season, um, coming up with, he's priced at 7 million, which is the cheapest he's been for a long time. He's proven FPL pedigree. If he gets the starts, for, for me with Sigerson, it's all about if he's playing in the number 10 role, if he's playing in the number 10 role and he's got a share or, or, or majority of set pieces, he's great. If he's playing on the wing and he's not play, and he's not taking the set pieces, he, he's, he's not a viable option. But I remember right at the end of the season, um, uh, Ancelotti changed the formation a bit and he started playing Sigurdsson back in the 10 role. Um, the two goals that he scored um, the other day against Blackpool, one was a penalty and one was a free kick. And the assist was from a corner. So that says it all. Dina was playing as well. So he's clearly got, you know, the majority of set pieces. Now, if he can stay in that number 10 role um, with the players around him, like Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin, 
seven million, he could be gold. I think they'll be good Everton this season. Ancelotti is such a fantastic manager. And if he can't get the best out of that team this season, then I don't know who can really. I mean, Sigurdsson, he's my favourite Reading player of all time. And I think even I'm not tempted. Um, maybe it's some kind of, maybe it's some <laughs> kind of all that, reverse bias. God. Yeah. I don't know. I started with him last season and I do like him because obviously, like you say, he's on set pieces. Yeah, he wasn't good last year. He wasn't good last no, year. No, Everton fans were not happy with him last year. and It's, it's a punt. You cannot say it's anything oh, but Oh, yeah. No, I agree. And <laughs> we are also getting a little bit overexcited with him scoring, you know, <laughs> two goals and an assist against Blackpool, you know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know that it doesn't take much for Sigurdsson to kick back into gear and go back to his old self. You know, he's not, he's not, he's not that old. And, um, you know, I think that we know he's done it before and he can do it again. And with a great manager, you know, behind him, if he, if he backs him, then he could be, he could be someone to really, really make them tick. No, it's true. And I mean, from range, he's, he's got a shot on him. So, I mean, he can score out of absolutely nothing. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not never going to slag off Siggy, um, but I think it, we just have to agree it's a bit of a dodgy price point. These mid-price midfielders, no, no one really stands out, or not many players stand out. So we move on to the premium midfielders: Salah, Aubameyang, Sterling, Mane, KDB, for example. And I don't think. I mean, are there any you don't like? I think that's the better way to word it because I think it's going to be personal preference. Yeah. Um, which one? I mean, Hort. Are there any of the premium midfielders? No, you would, I mean, if you're if if we're saying sort of premium is nine upwards, every single one of them is viable. Um, yeah. And that that's basically it. It's basically pick your poison. You can't afford them all, uh, much as we'd like to. So it's it's pick your poison. Go with who you feel is best, whether it's fixtures, whether it's form, whether you want to play Pep Roulette. It's entirely up to you. I don't think you can go wrong with any of them, to be honest. No, they're priced that way for a reason. I think. I I think it doesn't even get a bit dodgy until you get to about eight million, um, which is obviously mid price. I like every single one. And when you get to eight million, you get players like Pepe and William and Pogba, for example. Josh, do you dislike any of the premiums in midfield? No, not at all. Not in midfield. No, not at all. No. I think um, they're all great. I think it's, it's going to come down to having the right ones at the right time. Simple as that. I think you know. Don't overthink it too much, you know, like uh, Hort said, you know, pick your poison and, and run with it. And But I do think, you know, there's going to be the obvious change of getting rid of a Bamiang after game week two and looking at a uh, City asset, you know, the chances are you're going to own one of Mane or Salah, um, probably one of Mane or uh, one of um, Sterling or KDB. Um, and, and again, one of Fernandes and, and Rashford, really. So it's just just about which ones you like uh, for that given period. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so we move. We just move on to strikers then. So what, I think what we do here is we split everything up into budget, mid price, and premium. Um, so what I'll do is I'll go to both of you. Maybe we get one budget, one mid price, and one premium off off both of you. Sure. Um, in the budget section so 4.5 to 6 who who would you go for there oh god you, you tie me down to one now aren't you um one guy to look out for <laughs> one guy to look out for right this is this is a complete punt one guy to look out for at liverpool is brewster he's he's priced at 4.5 
Rumours are that Liverpool want to send him out, but they don't want to send him out to a championship team. They want to send him out to a premier team. Now, mm-hmm. if he gets a landing spot at Villa or Leeds or somewhere like that, where he is going to be the main striker at 4.5, he could very well turn out to be this season's Greenwood and we'll all have him on our benches. I like that. And we'll all love a new Greenwood at 4.5 million. Um, so, so he Josh, also scored uh, in a preseason friendly the other day as well. Not to get too excited about preseason friendlies, but um, uh, Liverpool won, I think, 3 0 against Stuttgart and he scored the third goal. Once, yep. uh, once all the big boys had come off and um, he was on and, yeah, tapped in for the third goal. So, um, yeah, my, my choice, um, you know, pretty boring. It's, 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 um, he's been picked by quite a lot of teams so far, but it would be Mitrovic. Purely the talisman theory of, of he is going to be involved in everything they do. Um, he's got penalties. He's got premiership experience. Um, he didn't do badly last time he was in the premiership season before last I think he got 11 goals so I think they're returning with a similar team but they're a bit stronger a uh, bit more stability with the manager and I think um, I think Mitrovic could be decent value at six million fixtures their first fixtures are absolutely amazing I think if, you, if you're going to invest in a Fulham player now's the time to do it yeah no they really are I mean even even that Arsenal game Josh, I only had Mitrovic written down, so I'm going to steal one of yours if that's all right. Um, I'm going to go for Bamford. And obviously his opening game's not that great, and he was very wasteful in the Championship last year. But I mean, for that for that price, what is he? Five point five. If Leeds don't sign anyone to replace him, I'll, I'll just chuck him in just as a body, just because he plays. I mean, he might be wasteful, but he's still going to score. You know, he still scored a lot of goals last year because so many were created, and obviously. Maybe less chances would be created for them. But if I get a goal every other week from Bamford, you know, I'll, I'll be happy for that price. I'll be over the moon with that price. So mid price, uh, we got 6.5 to 8.5 million pound strikers. If you had to pick one, I know there's a lot of strikers <laughs> in this. this I mean, I, I, I'll let you both pick two. <laughs> OK, I'd go for the start of the season. Um, I think Ings. With his uh, fixtures that he's got, how well he did last season, how well Southampton are looking at the moment and the sort of creativity he's got behind him in midfield, um, I think he is a great pick. Um, And I think the other one that I'd go for for the start of the season is a player that I don't think will be particularly popular um, because of his price and his positional change, but I think it's Richarlison. I really what? fancy Everton this season, and I think yeah. their fixtures what, are you, decent. You get him with Sigurdsson as well. Yeah, no, no, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't double up. I wouldn't <laughs> double up. No chance. I think one of one of the Everton attack, attackers, whether it be Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Sigurdsson, if he's nailed and he's playing in the ten role, could all be interesting. I just feel like Richarlison, I think Ancelotti came out um, just after the season finished saying that his target is for Richarlison to score 30 goals next season. Now, I think that's a little bit ambitious, but 30. yeah, 30. I know, definitely said 30. Um, that includes and, the pre-season games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and all the cup games. I think it's a little bit ambitious, but I just think if... If they're going to have a good season, who's going to be their top goal scorer? And, I, and I'd and i say, you know, Richarlison, I feel like he's a player that is so close to really kicking on and then a big club came, comes in for him. I know 
it was Barcelona, was it? The season before last, was sniffing around him for a bit and everyone couldn't believe it. But actually really having an amazing season that he kicks on and, and, and is being looked at by by some bigger clubs. I think I think this could be the year underneath Ancelotti. Perfect, perfect. And the Hawks, um, what are you thinking well, in, that, in that bracket? Well, in that bracket, I, I would certainly uh, agree with Ings. But... Um, on that subject of Southampton, he's in the cheaper bracket, actually. But a guy that's worth looking at is Shea Adams. He was matching Danny Ings after the lockdown when they came back. And he's he just suddenly started to find his feet. And once he got that first goal, he seemed to be on a bit of a roll. So if you're looking to save some funds, he's two and a half million cheaper than Danny Ings. I would certainly go for Ings if you've got the funds. But Adams is a guy just worth keeping an eye on because they're very, very good early fixtures. Um the other guy I would look at, if you just want consistency, I don't think you can go far wrong with Jimenez at Wolves. Uh, they've got a nice early set of season fixtures. Um, he doesn't often bang. He doesn't get braces. He doesn't get hat-tricks. But you can pretty much lock him in for a goal a game or, or similar. I don't think you can go far wrong, to be honest. Brilliant, brilliant. I suppose you didn't say a West Ham player there. Cause you well, it, <laughs> only because of our fixtures. Only because of our fixtures. Yeah, um, of but if you're... If you're if you like you two guys are contemplating, if you're thinking about wildcarding in game week two, stick Antonio in for game week one. There you go. Get that. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, so now we move on to the fun one. Um, so the premium premium bracket. So, Josh, do you have any premium strikers that you're looking at? I think the main one for me personally would be Martial. I just feel like he's looking the best he's, he's ever looked, really. Um, he's got amazing creativity behind him and he's you know you still got to think yes he's had a positional change but at nine million he is spearheading a man united attack that is looking like probably as things stand the third best team in the league um and i think for me you know he's he's if i was going to captain a man united option while Bruno is their most expensive option and probably everyone's go-to from a captaincy perspective, I feel like his attacking returns will be harder to predict than Martial's. It's very difficult to predict when you're going to get a penalty, a direct free kick, an assist off a corner, assist off an indirect free kick. Whereas if United are going to smash a team, Martial is going to be heavily involved because he's spearheading that attack. And and I kind of went through each of the premium uh, strikers in that sort of 9 to 10.5 bracket and I don't like the other ones all for a particular reason which left me with Martial and I, I don't have a reason why I wouldn't go for him really yeah I mean it's it's mad you think the prices we used to pay, pay for players like Zlatan or Lukaku for example and yeah 9 million for Martial it does seem like a bargain and I guess we have to get it out of our heads you know how cheap he was last year and the fact he was a midfielder because I think that was just, you know, that was a bit, you know, it's a bit lucky, really. Um, so, Hortz, uh, I know this is the most exciting bracket, but who would your favourite striker be? <laughs> OK, I'll, I'll, I've, I'm really, really intrigued by Timo Werner at Chelsea. Um, but I and, and he's got nearly 40 percent ownership now, but. I'm taking very much a watch and and watch and wait with Werner, see how he goes. My one would be Jamie Vardy. We know what he can do. He's got Madison back now at Leicester. So he's got that supply, hopefully, that supply chain coming through to him. Leicester have got some very, very tasty early, early fixtures. 
And if Werner takes off, you can always jump off Vardy onto Werner because he's half a million cheaper. So Vardy would be the one, but keep an eye on Werner. Yep, you can't you can't knock that golden boot winner at all. I mean, I wonder, my who, one... I wonder who you're going to go for, eh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I'm going to go for. I want to say someone else now, but I haven't got anyone else written down. Um, I'm going to go for Harry Kane. I think he's going to win the Golden Boot this year. He's the bookie's favourite or joint bookie's favourite. He's on penalties and he's got really, really good fixtures. I mean, obviously, Mourinho, being in the Mourinho team worries me. But at the end of the last season, you know, he was he was banging him in for fun. He looked back to his best. He'd be out of quarantine. Um, so yeah, for me it's Harry Kane. So yeah, that wraps all wraps all the all the players up. So I've got a couple of questions on Slack. So Bard has asked, will there ever be a piss break again? And Alcifer has asked, how long is the piss break now? Hortz. Well, it's time to pause for a brief moment and reflect. He might not be here in person, but you know he'll be listening in, sitting there with his legs crossed and starting to sweat. So before we move on to listeners' questions, it's time for the Iceman's Piss! So welcome back, listeners. We've got a few questions just to end up pod. Our first question is from Mad Hatter on our Slack channel. And he's asking the first fixtures, trick or treat. Um, so what do you think, Josh? I think trick in the sense that they are good fixtures. But I think with their fixture congestion with the Europa League qualification and Carabao Cup, I personally think Spurs are a bit of an avoid for that reason, I wouldn't be surprised if they were conceding more goals than people expected because there'll be some tired legs um, out there. And also, you know, Harry Kane, as we've seen, you know, when he plays a lot of fixtures, as you know, he did um, um, after uh, after lockdown in the restart, he can look quite tired. Um, so, yeah, for me, I, I personally think Spurs are a bit of an avoid. And what, what do you think, Hortz? Yeah, I mean, on first sight, you look at their fixtures and you go, well, that's quite interesting. But then what you then have to remember is this is now a Jose Mourinho team. This isn't the Spurs of a couple of seasons ago where they were, you know, banging in goals just for the fun of it. This is very much a a one nil sort of squad. And you might get some defensive returns with the odd clean sheet, but I don't think you're going to get an awful awfully large amount of attacking returns because their fixtures look nice but they're not special they don't have any of the promoted teams for example in the first six games yeah they've got West Ham but (laughs) um so then they're good but they're not great so I wouldn't go gung-ho you may have one Spurs player but I wouldn't have any more than that brilliant and we got a question from Jeff Pedder now this is asking about Saints so he's saying the Saints fixtures look good but how good are they back to you Hortz what do you think about the Saints fixtures I I'm 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 happier with the Saints fixtures and say currently I've got McCarthy in goal and I've got Ings up top. So that tells you really that I I quite like the look of them. They they've yeah, it's a nice run. And to be honest, of the big, you know, what we talk about, the traditional big six teams, they've got Spurs and Chelsea in there in the first six games. But 
you could easily see them scoring against both of those teams. I mean, there are chances are they'll concede, but you can certainly see them scoring against those. So I'm I'm not put off by their fixtures at all. And how many do you have, Josh? Do you have you got any Saints players? At the moment, um, just the two. I've got um, Ings and McCarthy, but I might take Ings down to Adams just because you can do so much more with your team. And I really want to go at game week one hard. See, I've actually got three of them. I got McCarthy, Carl Walker, Peters, and Armstrong. But obviously, that's that's my bench boost team, so that that may well change. Um, Steady on. Yeah, I know. I, no, Don't I press actually, the button yet. I actually didn't realise until um, until that question was asked. Um, but we got one final question from Slack, which is from an NT abroad. Oba, is he essential now? He's a midfielder, or can you spend his money money more wisely if you already have two out of Salah, Mane, KDB, Sterling, Mares? I think we covered this earlier, guys. Really, didn't we? Like, there's there's so many good premium midfielders. So I wouldn't say Oba is essential. You've just got to go with you know what you feel like. Maybe mix and match them. Um, obviously, he's a very very good asset, but you can't have every single one. Now, moving on to a question from Twitter, we've got FPL Jimmy White. He says, looking forward to the pod, guys. What are your plans for your front three? So, Josh, what's your current front three? Obviously, subject to change. Yeah, I've got two. Um, so I've just for game week one, um, Antonio. You've got six strikers. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've got Antonio and Ings. Um, and then uh, Connor Wickham as the uh, as the one on the bench purely because oh. I think Keenan Davis is the best of the 4.5s until Rian Brewster potentially moves out on loan, but he obviously doesn't play. Keenan Davis doesn't play game week one, so I think so. I've just I've just gone with Wickham as, as the third one. So yeah, so two with uh, Ings and Antonio. I think they're both great picks for game week one. There we go. I guess if you're wildcarding game week two, you can stick to Antonio like we touched on earlier. And then remove him before the horrific run. Um, and Hortz, who are, you, who are your three? <laughs> uh, well, as it stands at the moment, obviously we're two weeks still to go. Uh, headliner is Jamie Vardy. Uh, Danny Ings is there as well. And also Mitrovic sitting there as the third forward. And I'm planning to go 3-4-3. Three, three, so it will be three forwards, I think. That's the way it's going to go. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm currently on three strikers as well. So I've also got Mitrovic. I've got Werner and I've got Kane, obviously. But that you know that could well change I've I've also been looking at Vardy I think he's he's quite an interesting one he's got some good fixtures but yeah at the moment it's Werner Mitrovic and Kane now just time for our partner chat um so we don't have an algorithm this week but you can go to Mikhail Tokvam's algorithm it's at patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm for just one dollar fifty per month um you can sign up and you can get access to that algorithm week in week out we're also partnered with fantasy football hub and we've been given an exclusive sign up offer all you have to do is go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk you get 25 percent off all you have to do is enter the offer code surgery25 and finally we're also partnered with fpl doodles you can find him on twitter at fpl doodles one and he does all the artwork for the pod release tweet each and every week and he's well worth a follow that's at fpl doodles one now we've got just a couple more questions so fpl dave he's asking is your new host actually a muppet or is it a facade um serious question kane or son am i a muppet and would you go kane or son <laughs> well i mean j- judging by the conversation so far absolutely not it's been absolutely brilliant um out of kane or son i think son can be frustrating uh so out of the two probably harry kane because you're likely to get more regular returns 
what are you thinking, Josh? I think I know the answer for this, to be honest, but <laughs> it's not sun. I think you were oh, thinking I was going to say sun. I, see, I would have normally <laughs> said sun, but the way that Mourinho's sort of structuring his team, um, you know, sun's been hugging the touchline, um, you know, playing out on the left quite a bit. I think that Kane works better for the way that he structures his team. And I can see him being the better pick of the two of them, not to mention, you know, 90 minutes every game on penalties, which also helps. Perfect. So we've got two Canes and yeah, I'm going to go Kane. So, um, and Pingreen asked a question which overlaps with that really, but I found it quite funny. Who's the most essential player to start this season and why is it Harry Kane? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So our final question comes from Alan. Um, now he's obviously he's in the Slack channel and he's asked now the Iceman has retired will you be adopting nicknames that represent other forms of water uh, e.g. Waterman, Humid Man, Mist Man or Snowman have you guys got any nicknames you'd like to adopt I don't think I could pull any of them off to be honest at the moment would you, would you rather be called something else than Josh Paxman for example I think Mist Man sounds quite good does sound quite cool but no I think yeah. for now I'll just just stay as me and, and my uh, and my name and uh, you never know let's see where it goes I mean Hortz is Ian Horton is Hortz I mean Josh yeah. Paxman Pax you know Paxo yeah Paxo, you know, so. whatever, whatever you fancy that stuffing? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to pull off a, uh, a, a name as cool as the Iceman no no <laughs> probably not If you like what you heard today, please help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Please join the FPL Surgery Podcast League. Obviously, it's the best time to join. Now, that code is 439HW9. Check us out at fplsurgery.com. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit and Twitter at FPL Surgery. Subscribe on iTunes and remember to please rate the podcast or you can email us info at fplsurgery.com. So, Hort, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I've just got two more questions for you, and then we'll let you go. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, who's your captain, and what's your one tip for the rest of the season? Okay. Um, captain at the moment, and I don't think it's going to change. I don't think I'm going to look beyond Aubameyang. Um, at the end of the day, a fixture against newly promoted Fulham. Um, that was the fixture I was looking out for, and he's got it in game week one. So, so he'll be my captain. Um, to be honest, the, the tip is a very, very simple one. There's a lot of information out there. Obviously, there's FPL Twitter, which is a fantastic thing to use. It can get overblown at times and can get fraught, but it's it's a great thing to use. There's lots of FPL websites now. Uh, there's lots of Patreon options, and obviously, there's lots of podcasts of which the surgery is right up there. Um, but the bottom is my tip is play your own game listen to the advice take it all on board but at the end of the day the game is much more fun when you play your own game make your own decisions at the end of the day and you live and live or die on that you'll have a lot more fun doing it that way i love it and it wouldn't be a surgery podcast without an abamiam captaincy shout so that's that's perfect <laughs> thank you very much for coming on Hawks. you've made it an absolute pleasure being me and josh's first podcast we've had it we've had a great fun recording it and all the best going forward i really really look forward to seeing what you can do with the new era and to say judging by how it's gone tonight i think you'll do absolutely brilliantly fingers crossed and thanks, thanks again so. and and josh you just got one more thing to say up the pod up the pod up the pod
that is amazing. That is Love amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, Lovely. Nine. Do you remember how to stop the recording? Nice.